Luke chapter number 12. I understand you all had a great service on Sunday with Brother Prado. We thank God for that. Uh, we understand one got the Holy Ghost, that there were visitors that were here. We're excited about, about all of that. But it's so good to be home where there's frigid temperatures. And everybody that loves cold weather, say amen. Thank God for the polar bears among us. You know, I love it here because this is where God called me. If it, if it would have been in the Sahara Desert, we'd have different issues. But uh, I'm just glad to be in the will of God, and I'm glad that you are too. Okay, Luke chapter number 12, begin reading in verse number 1. In the meantime... When there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people. Now, when the Bible says innumerable, that's a big deal. Insomuch that they trod one upon another. He began to say unto his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops." Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to take a few moments tonight to talk about hypocrisy. Let's put our Bibles down and let's pray. Let's pray that God would talk to us tonight in a special measure. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for the people of God. Thank you for those that are visiting among us. Thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you for the Word of God. We thank you, Jesus, that you have allowed us the privilege and the opportunity to come in contact with truth here at the end of the ages. And we will not fail to give you the praise and divine recognition in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Ramil, if I could get a little bit more monitor, I will do my best to talk and not yell. Many years ago now, I distinctly remember um, hearing about the very notable Assembly of God pastor by the name of Jimmy Swaggart. Jimmy Swaggart, for those of you that are part of Generation Z, was a very well-known Assembly of God, which is Trinitarian Pentecost, a very well-known tele-evangelist. Um, he was known all over the world. He was a singer. He had put out numerous albums. He was 
um, probably the most well-known of all the Assembly of God preachers at that time. He had a neighboring pastor that he didn't get along with by the name of Marvin Gorman. Um, I only know all this because it's public, it's public record. Anybody can go and read about it. But um, it was discovered by Jimmy Swaggart that Marvin Gorman was having improper relationships with women and he exploited that and kind of led the charge um, in that organization to persecute, defame, and basically strip this man of all of his credentials and that kind of stuff. It did actually happen, or at least was attempted, and his reputation was destroyed. While this was going on, um, somebody had seen Jimmy Swaggart's car at a particular hotel that was known to be a haunt for prostitutes. And um, Jimmy Swaggart got caught soliciting prostitutes. In fact, the prostitute that he had uh, was with willingly came forward and told her side of the story and come to find out that Jimmy Swigert had been going to prostitutes for quite some time. Well, I will never forget, um, I will never forget seeing Jimmy Swigert's picture on the cover of the newspaper back when we used to read newspapers. And it was, it almost took up half the front page of the newspaper and he had tears streaming down. He was in his own pulpit in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And it simply said in huge letters, I have sinned. Um, the Assembly of God tried to strip Jimmy Swaggart, interesting turn of events, tried to strip him of his pastorate. He had a worldwide tele, television ministry that went to all over the world, had a huge complex there in Baton Rouge, but they defrocked him. They, they, they dealt harshly with him uh, because of this sin. I mean, he openly admitted it. I don't believe he ever stepped down from pastoring, he resisted um, being disciplined by his elders. And it's just a tragic story. He lost his reputation, lost uh, his, his following, lost people in his church, just on and on and on and on and on. The most damaging thing about the story, of course, it's a tragedy. Um, but the most damaging thing about the story is the fact that Jimmy Swaggart so vehemently went after Marvin Gorman, his neighboring pastor, when it was discovered that Pastor Gorman was, had some impropriety going on. And Jimmy Swaggart led the charge against his neighboring pastor. And it was just an incredible irony 
and a turn of events that Jimmy Swigert himself was guilty of the exact same thing. That, ladies and gentlemen, is an illustration of hypocrisy. Here in this incredible passage of Scripture that I read in your hearing tonight, Jesus denounces the Pharisees for one thing and one thing only. They were hypocrites. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, first of all, what does this mean, beware of the leaven? Well, leaven is a substance that was used to make yeast rise. It was, it was added specifically to bread to, to make bread rise. But what it did was it made, it, it polluted the bread. It wasn't, it wasn't unleavened bread, which was very important there's a whole history and study on that. But nonetheless, Jesus was using leaven as an illustration of the influence that leaven had on, on bread in particular by talking about the, the influence that the Pharisees had. For example, in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 9, Jesus said this. He said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. What does that mean in, in, in our understanding of things? It means that just a little bit of leaven has the ability to influence everything. And of course, in Galatians chapter five, he talks about the sins of the flesh and he, he names them. But just a little bit of sin can undo or defile or pollute a lot of intended righteousness, okay? Just a little bit of leaven. In 1 Corinthians chapter number five, where the apostle Paul is denouncing the church at Corinth for not dealing with the fornicator that was among them. In fact, they were, they were almost becoming boastful that uh, the type of fornication that was taking place in that church was unique and different among all the other forms of fornication that was going on. And of course, the Apostle Paul clearly denounced that. He said, your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, meaning that the church, with you not dealing with this in the church, it casts an entire shadow on the influence of the church. Hallelujah. And then he turns around and says, put that man out of the church because it's a stain. Uh, it's a stain on the body of Christ. What does the word hypocrisy mean? It literally means in the original, and you have to understand that the New Testament is greatly influenced. In fact, all of Christianity during the time of the writing of the New Testament was hugely influenced by Hellenism. And Hellenism is a historical and a sociological term that talks about Greek influence. Greek, the Greeks influenced more of the world than Rome did. Because whereas Rome was the military leader and the famous Pax Romana, 
the road of Rome that connected all of Western and Eastern uh, part of the Roman Empire was one thing. But it was the Greeks that excelled in medicine. It was the Greeks that excelled in philosophy. It was the Greeks that excelled in literature. And it was the Greeks that excelled when it came to plays and the theater. And these things influenced all of the known world at that time. The Apostle Paul was influenced this when he was stood on Mars Hill and said, even your poets are talking about these things. The Apostle Paul was versed in those things. And so the word hypocrisy literally means play acting. And more specifically, you have to understand that in very, very early theater, which Greek, it was very popular in, in Greece and other places um, surrounding the Mediterranean. All that part of the culture was very much into theater. And they didn't have makeup and they didn't have all these other kinds of things. They literally used a mask. And when somebody was playing a particular part in a play, that they would put a mask over their face and they would change their voice. And that would be that they were playing another part or another role. And so this word literally means to be an actor or an actress, meaning that you are acting a certain part that you're not really living. Let's continue to look at this because it's an incredible um, incredible definition here. It is pretense of having a virtuous moral or religious, religious principles that one does not really possess. One whose public life, which espouses one set of desirable behaviors, which privately has another set of behaviors, thus being duplistic. Okay, pastor, what does that mean? That means that you live one way at church or everybody thinks you're one way at church and they think that way because that's the way that it's promoted. But in reality, you're actually another person. Now, I realize it's so quiet tonight, I could hear a mouse walk on a cotton ball. Am I the only one that has noticed what's been going on in this congregation for the last six months? Am I the only one that has heard these evangelists come through that are addressing certain things only to have people leave? Am I the only one that's noticed that? What's going on? What's going on when I bring an evangelist in, a good one, we love him, one of the best, 
And he says there's an alcoholic in one area of the building. What's happening is, is that God is trying to give you an opportunity to be what you're supposed to be. That is not God trying to hurt you. That is God trying to help you. My wife and I, of course, we were invited to be one of the speakers at Brother Booker's anniversary, his birthday, ministerial birthday. I mean, there was five or six things that there was a total accumulation and a great celebration, and we were greatly honored to be invited to be one of the speakers in that. So we watched the service. Thank God for live stream. We were able to watch the service. And I remember there was tongues interpretation said, run to the altar, run to the altar, run to the altar. But I already knew, I already knew as soon as that tongues and interpretation went forward, that the person that was guilty of that probably was not going to move. Now, I'm not trying to be negative. Uh, you don't have a negative pastor, but you do have a real pastor. I didn't come to Spokane. I could have gone anywhere. I didn't come here to be negative, but I did, I did come here to be honest. I did come here to have integrity. I did come here to see a real church be built. I did come here to watch salvation really take place. I did come here to watch the Holy Ghost do a work. I did come here to come in contact with people that really wanted to live for God. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. So, I'm just saying that because I'm not, you know, when you get into these areas, some people get nervous. And, and, and if you're nervous, you need to ask yourself why. You need to ask yourself why. Why am I nervous to have the pastor talk about having a secret life? Because I'm telling you, this is beyond the pastor now. Now we've got world-class evangelists that preach all over the world that come in here in the middle of their message once they get hooked up with the anointing and they start flowing with the anointing. They say, you know what? Forget my notes. I got to deal with something right now. But you want to know why? Because you got to get saved. I want to tell you what the danger is, is to be sitting this close to the kingdom of God and real deliverance and real salvation and real help and sit there week after week while there's a world going to hell. Let's lift our hands and say, God, help whoever needs this. God, help whoever needs this. This is not a condemning message, but you're way in over your head because you don't understand how this thing operates because God is operating from the vantage point of eternity, and he says, you're not ready. You're not ready. 
And I'm trying to help you so you can get ready. I'm trying to help you so you can be righteous. I'm trying to help you so that you can have joy. I'm trying to help, help you so you can have real deliverance. Look at verse number two. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. Now this, in this context, Jesus is not talking about good people that make a mistake. Jesus is not talking about good people that need to repent and they, and they get it under the blood. Jesus isn't talking about that. Jesus is talking about an ongoing deal where people are looking at other people down their long nose or with a certain scorn or a certain attitude of judgment. And he's saying, you're the one that needs to be worrying about yourself. Remember the two guys in the temple? There was one, a Pharisee, and there was a man that came in that wouldn't even so much as lift up his head and said, oh God, just have mercy on me where I'm at. And the Pharisee he said, I thank God I'm not like that guy. He's not wearing a suit. He smells. He probably doesn't have uh, a lot of money to take care of personal hygiene and yada, yada, yada. I'm just filling in a few blanks. And the Pharisee looked down at scorn, and Jesus said that the man that wouldn't even lift up his head, why? Because it was humility. It was reality. We all need mercy. We all need grace. We all need the blood of Jesus Christ. We... Come on, let's clap our hands and give God the praise. God's here to give mercy. God's not here to judge. God, when God pulls the cover off and shows people where they were really at, that's not God trying to hurt you. That's God trying to save you. But that's only after you've shunned altar calls and talks with the pastor and evangelist and you miss prayer meetings and you find, I can't go to this, and we can't go to that, and I can't go to this, and I can't go to that. All the while, those were environments where that hypocrisy and duplicity could have been dealt with in mercy, in love, with grace. Let's lift our hands and ask God to touch us tonight in a special measure. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name. We give you glory. Help us tonight, Jesus. Help us tonight, Jesus. There is nothing covered that shall not be revealed. When Brother Quaylar, who is now in Jordan, he came here at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning and prayed for over two hours for this church. He said there is a new dimension of the supernatural coming. With that, with the dimension of the supernatural, there has to be a dealing with sin, with unrighteousness, with that kind of stuff. You're, you're, you're not going to get this unless you deal with this. Are you all there? You're not, you're not going to get God's glory 
if we're not going to be willing to get rid of carnality. You're, you're not going to get all the answer to the prayers you're praying unless you're willing to go to another level of consecration. You're not going to get the dynamics and the power of everything that's in that book unless we're able to go where God wants to take us. I'm all in, ladies and gentlemen. In fact, I'm, I'm not up here as a model tonight. I'm up here just like you. I, I, need, I need the blood. I need to pray. I need to fast. I need to walk in the Holy Ghost. I need to believe God. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm all in. Whatever it takes in these last days, I'm willing to go there. I've got to see revival. We have got to see this thing shake together. We are at the finish line. You have been so blessed to be sitting in this church week after week and month after month and year after year. And God says, another chance, another chance, another chance, another chance. You don't have to confess to people. You don't have to tell anybody. You don't have to confess to the pastor unless you feel like you want to. But here's an altar. This altar is a place of safety. This altar you can do we, we we can do away with this custom carpet. We can even do away with these pews. We could have got just metal folding chairs. We don't need all this fine stuff. We don't need all the accoutrements and all the fancy pillars. But ladies and gentlemen, we've got to have an altar and we've got to have a pulpit and we've got to hear what's in here. Expose what's in here. I'm not ready to meet him. I'm not ready to go forward. I'm not ready to go to the next level. I need help. I need a preacher tonight. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I need God to help me. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. God's doing something. Holy Ghost is doing something. There is nothing done in secret. There's nothing that is covered that shall not be uncovered. That would worry me. You know, instead of backsliding because of this, where are the people that are saying, I, I, I don't want the world? But see, for a lot of people that are unwilling to just deal with what God is trying to, and when, if God's trying to take that sin from you, he plans on putting something good in its place. Now, who wouldn't want to give up something that's going to hurt you for something that's going to bless you? But see, because you don't know God good enough, you, you suspect his motives. You don't trust him. But I'm hearing to tell you, you can trust God. You can trust what the Holy Ghost wants to do. If God convicts you of something in your life, I don't care how long you've been packing it along, God's going to put power. God's going to put authority. God's going to put anointing. God's going to put blessing. God's going to put peace. You're going to go up. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. 
I love this church too much not to preach to you. Pastor, this is going to offend a bunch of people. I don't know where else you're going to go and be saved because you're going to search for a church in your flesh that will never be anointed, never address this stuff, never uncover the stuff that's really in your life, never try to get down to the bottom, and you're running from, the, you're running from conviction. You're running from God. You're running from God's not trying to harm you. God's trying to save you. I told my wife, is this stuff all right? You're, you're shaking your head. Are you getting this preaching? It's good preaching, isn't it? I told my wife, I said, man, I'm really wanting Sundays to be where we're reaching these visitors. And God's reaching for saints. If you're not right, you ought to step down. Have enough integrity, which is the opposite of hypocrisy. Because integrity is the same everywhere. Hypocrisy means you're one way and then you're another way, but integrity is you're the same everywhere. If you're not right, like if you're not, if you're not living to what we preach, and I don't know what he preaches. You've been here long enough. You understand that. Then just, just step down till you get it right. I'll think, I'll think more highly of you than when somebody's in a position and all, all of a sudden you find out, you know, you lift up the deal and there's, there's all kinds of crawling, unclean things there. No, this is raw. This is, this is real. This is raw. This is how you get a revival church. We can't continue to play patty cake and have people run the aisles and jump up and down or people just sit there, whatever they do, and think we're going to have revival. No, no, no. That's not where the Holy Ghost is leading this church. You can tell we're bringing evangelists that are known all over the world that are coming in here and saying, this is going on. That's going on. This is going on. That's going on. This is going on. That's going on. Why don't we just say, you know what? God, I am here. I'm in this church. I I'm going to lay that down. I want to be a part of revival. I want to be a part of growth. I want to see what God's going to do in the end time. I want my neighbors saved. I want my family saved. I want backsliders coming in. I want God to take his notice off of me and put it on somebody that needs him. Clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. No, isn't that right? Don't, don't we all feel that that's right? God, don't waste a service to reach for me. You can reach for me any day in prayer. Let's use that service to win somebody that's dying on the inside because they don't have God. Let's look at Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. 
Well, if God was really against what I'm doing, he would have got me by now. How foolish. How infantile of a view of God. Well, God hadn't, God hadn't got me yet. God's getting you tonight. But see, God is a gentleman. God is gentle. God is awesome. I am telling you that God is awesome, and he doesn't enjoy humiliation. He's not in favor of shaming people. He doesn't like to put people, he doesn't like to put people in situations where they're publicly exposed and uncomfortable. He'd much rather you just come on your own and say, God, I know this is right. Y'all out there tonight? I'm really trying to be a good pastor. But a good pastor is not going to be what you want me to be. A good pastor is going to be what God wants him to be. I'm going to say that again. A good pastor is not what you want me to be in your flesh, in your choosing. A good pastor is going to be what God wants me to be because God knows what he wants to do next month. God knows what he wants to do in six months. God wants to bring some backsliders home. God wants to bring some new families into this house. But we can't have the bitter, ugly junk. And with a message like, I didn't come to this message today, you know, with some little voodoo doll up in my office saying, I'm going to get this one, I'm going to get that one, I'm going to get this one, I'm going to get that one. You know what? I'm saying, God, right here. That's the worst kind of hypocrisy, where a pastor would get up and preach this to you, and a pastor needs it himself. And so, God, examine me if there be any wicked way in me. Start with me. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. I'm not, af- I'm not afraid for God to say you need to pray through. I need God to say that. In fact, I... I I want to get as close as I can to him. And if there's something that's between me and God that he doesn't like, I want more. I don't want the world. Are you kidding? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. If you can't see in the 21st century where this thing's going, it's time to get as close as we can humanly get to God. Who cares about sports? Who cares about the opinion of this world? Who cares about where this thing is going? It's time to get all the God we can. Clap your hands and give him praise. Rather than sit in a church where you do not agree with the epistemology of the leadership of that church, at that point it becomes disingenuous for you to come and sit in a congregation that you already know you're not in alignment with that. You would be better off to find a church that believes like you. The danger with that is is I don't want somebody that's at the same level I'm at helping me get to God. I want somebody that's closer to God to help me get where I need to be in God. I'm not looking for people that have more in the world that's going to tell me how to get closer to God. I want to see somebody that's want revival. They want to shatter a city. They want to shatter a region. They want to heal... 
I'm not going to go that, through that again. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody praise him. We ought to be excited that there's a man of God in our world not afraid to address this stuff. As a pastor, I get no pleasure in getting the phone call to find out that somebody's been doing this and that and this and that and this and that, and they've been sitting in a pew in Cornerstone for a while. I get no pleasure in that. It grieves me. And I ask myself, what are people doing? Of course, I usually look at myself and say, well, I'm not doing a very good job. I must have failed somewhere. But the reality of it is, to have a church like this that's dynamic, it is so easy for two things. There's two dangers, and I'm almost, I'm almost done, I promise you. Two dangers. One of them is that there's a lot of people that just want to belong to something that's dynamic. And I get that. People that have been abused, people that have not maybe an under, underdeveloped personality in our world. Maybe they were had a crummy relationship with their parents where people abused them or took advantage of them. They're looking for people to accept them. And just on the basis of acceptance, people want to be a part of this because we love everybody. Oh, that's weak. One more time. One more time with passion. One more time like you're awake. That still fell far below my DB meter. But it's Tuesday night. The other thing is, is because I do take what I'm doing very seriously and very directional. I try to be as intentional as I can as an apostolic leader. That if you're not careful, you will start doing what you're doing for me instead of doing what you're doing because it's in the Word of God. And I'm not blaming you for that. that is, there's a human tendency to find a sense of approval and a value from a human leader. I love you. I'm glad you're here. I really am. I say that very genuinely. But the reality of it is, I would love you if you just go ahead and be what God wants you to be. Don't allow yourself to think, if I don't do this, then I won't be able to fit in, da 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 da, da. And it builds a bunch, of, a bunch of unrealistic expectations that I can't meet, nobody can meet. So, just means I got to preach, teach. God would not allow us to move 75 yards where we were having... Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we've got recorded some of the most amazing things that I have ever seen in my over 30 years of living for God have taken place in this congregation with this group of people. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to pump us up. I'm not trying to elevate us above everybody else. I'm telling you, I have seen it with my own eyes. I've heard it with my own ears. I've felt it with my own spirit. But it all happened over there. 
So we make this incredible move into this incredible place. What's God doing? God is getting us ready for a revival of holiness. We are not going to have a revival of junk. We are going to have a revival of purity. And, 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 and that doesn't mean we need to lose anybody. But it means you need to understand what the will of God is. And it means that there's some junk going on in the closets and living room of your heart that you need to say, God, I'm ready. I'm done. I am so done. I'm so done not understanding why people are running the aisles. I'm so done not experiencing what everybody else is experiencing when they're praising God and tears are flowing. I'm so done with just showing up and not going up. You have to be done. And the minute you become done, God says, all right, that's what I was waiting on. In Jesus' name. Almost done here. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes 8 and 11. In our finite, incredibly, sometimes, oftentimes, convoluted thinking, we think, because I haven't gotten caught yet, that either God doesn't see me, God's not real, or God doesn't care about me. None of that is true. God is trying to give you a chance to repent because when you repent, it's between you and him. He doesn't want to publicly expose people. He gets no glory in that. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil because God has not yet smashed you, broken up your marriage, broken up your home, lost your job, getting an automobile wreck, some dreaded disease, some negative doctor report. Those things happen to people all the time. Some people have the Holy Ghost and live for God through them. But people that know they're not doing right and know they got stuff in their life, they're almost like... The Bible says that there is a fearful looking for judgment. When's it coming? Where's, it, where's God going to get me? Matthew chapter 23, verse number 13. But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 25. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Verse number 29. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, seven times. God's perfect number. 
No, I don't expect somebody to run to the altar. But I'll tell you what I would do if I was you. I would take a message like this and what's been going on in this congregation over the last six months. I've seen things that have been unbelievable. And I'd say, God, if you're trying to reach me, I'm here. I'm ready to open the door. I'm ready to let go of the pornography problem I got and the self-control problem I got with compulsive behaviors. I'm ready. I want to be real. I want to be real. Have you ever met people that are not real? Hey, man, you're not real. No, they're, they're standing there, but it's, how's it going? Great. How's everything going? Perfect. I just like, I just like good old-fashioned real. How's it going? Well, pastor, you know, my dog died. Well, I understand. If my dog died, I'd probably be okay with it, but my wife would be rough on her. And I'm probably going to get it at home because I'm not supposed to talk about the dog like that. But at least I'm being real. And everybody that understands exactly what I'm saying, say amen. This message needed a little bit of humor, a little bit of humanity in it, because I really do love this church. There's some people under the sound of my voice, I have worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked with you, and I don't regret one second, I'm just continue working with you. I'll just continue praying for you. I'll just continue fasting for you. I'll just continue loving on you. I'm not tired of any of it. But at the end of the day, you got to be what God wants you to be. Let's lift our hands and love him. Let's lift our hands all over this building. Let's just love him. Praise him. Thank him. My last scripture, Romans chapter 2, verse number 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering? People that, are, people that have sin in their life, they're not even looking at that stuff. And if you, if you live with that kind of stuff long enough, you'll... It'll start changing you in ways that make it more and more of a challenge for God to really get where God's trying to get with you. But look at this. Not knowing that the goodness. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to a good God. His goodness. His goodness where the dashboard becomes an altar, where he visits you when you least expect it on the job and tears start to flow and 
He wraps his arms around you, wakes you up in the middle of the night, takes you to a place, spiritual, supernatural vista. The goodness of God is what leads us to change. Well, I'm already all right. That's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Quit picking on me. I haven't mentioned anybody here tonight. I can't live without the goodness of God. I'm not even going to try. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. The goodness of God. Let's lift our hands. In fact, let's stand. Let's lift our hands. Let's stand and lift our hands. Let's thank him for his goodness, his mercy. He's a great God. People that just give up and don't want to do it, it's because all you think of is rules and regulations. Because one taste of his goodness and you'll be convinced, oh, 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 oh. Oh, somebody lift your voice. Let's pray. God, I love you. I praise you. I worship you. God, I want to exalt you in every way. There's something in my life. God, if there be any wicked way in me, God, show me. Maybe I've overlooked it. Maybe I've lived with it for so long I've become blind to it. Show me, Jesus. Let's pray that together. God, if there be any wicked way in me, God, reveal it to me. I, I want to know if there's a wicked thing in me, an evil thing, if there's a, something in me that's keeping me from being blessed and be going forward and being everything I can be. Show me, oh God, in your goodness, show me, Jesus. You know, I, th I think I'd be remiss if I didn't just go ahead and open up this altar, finish this out with some prayer tonight. You're not going to want to miss Sunday. Brother B.J. Wilmoth will be here from Redlands, California. It's going to be a fantastic time in the Holy Ghost. And um, I'm really believing for God to save some people. God's working on the congregation trying to save us. I, wanna, I want that too, but I'm looking, looking. Let's open up this altar. Come. You that want to pray, it's not an admission of guilt, but just it's in humility saying, I need God. I need God. I want God. I want more. I want more. In Jesus' name, God bless you all. I want more grace. I want more spirit. I want more mercy. I want more of God. Higher, deeper, farther, wider. Yala la bohuti, yala la babarata, yala babaya.